You're listening to Flint Co. Forward, our ecosystem of innovation. Welcome to Flint Co. Forward. I'm your host, Sean Heath. One of my earliest memories as a child is digging tunnels in my backyard for my Hot Wheels cars. My mother was not super thrilled with that, but you do what you can with what you got, right? I think most engineers and designers have some version of that story, and the tools that they use to draw their plans just evolve exponentially over their careers. Today, I have the opportunity to have a conversation with two gentlemen who have a lifetime of drawing things in an unbelievably wide range of tools and environments. Of course, my guest on the podcast today, Jason Schrader, Regional VDC Manager for Flint Co. Hi, Jason. Hi, Sean. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. Also joining us today, Kevin Bromenschenk. He's a regional VDC manager for Flintco. Kevin, how's it going? Having a great day today, Sean. Thanks. So, Jason, I mentioned the evolution of tools that all of us go through throughout our lives. There are numerous tools that you have available to you when you're planning a project today. They're not all necessary every single time, are they? No, Sean, they're not. Um, obviously, our, our toolbox is ever-changing and, and evolving along with technology as it changes and improves. Um, but not always is every piece of technology pertinent to every project. So we want to make sure in our processes that we pick and select the right tools for the right job. And that's really important, Kevin, because if, if you clutter up the workspace, the only thing that could really cause is problems. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that um, not every tool is necessary, and really the answer comes from listening well to your team. A lot of the times expectations will govern what tools you need to use. And just listening to people's wants and needs. Um, hearing somebody say, I wish something could be done to better do this part of my job or that part of my job, or if only I had a tool that would do you know, something that would make this part of my job easier. Generally, those are tells on what tools that particular team is going to be focused on to make their job a better success. You mentioned team member input is a huge contributing factor in deciding the right tools that you want to use. What else helps you decide what you're going to filter out and what you're going to keep? We have a process that we call focused BIM. And that process is exactly what you said. It's a list of all the tools, technologies, and uh, methods and processes that we have available to us. And we use that focused BIM process to strategically evaluate and implement technology per project. Yeah, what we typically do is sit down with our team and go through that whole list explaining what the different technologies can do and um, trying to really lay out a plan for why each one might benefit their job based on some some understanding of their project initially. But I think it's it's definitely becoming a tool that we can capitalize on learning the expectations that people have and then defining the solutions that would meet those expectations through this form. 
as you filter out and lower the number of tools being used, you can increase the cost efficiency of a project? That's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, There is an upfront cost uh, for technologies and tools that we use, um, especially in today's world where everything's a, a provided as a service. All software is a provided as a service. So there's always a cost associated with that. But the real question is, is what's the value getting out of that cost? So depending on the project, that cost may be minute compared to the value added from the use of that tool, whereas some tools... Uh, the cost may not balance or outweigh or may outweigh the, va- the value added to that particular project. And that's why we go through this process to, tre- to strategically vet the cost versus the value add by project. Yeah, I think a lot of the time what we're really doing is deferring money that used to be spent on a different means of doing the same thing. In years past, we'd you'd have prints, right? Drawings printed on paper. So the costs allocated to do prints now go into um, services that provide us means of keeping digital documents up to date. And um, it might go towards services to help us maintain those documents. Um, but most, most of all, the value added to be able to get to those documents when you need them and having them being current and up to date, there's the value added. The the small amount of delta over the cost of printing documents to maintaining and, and hosting digital documents in this example might be small, but the but the value is exponential. Can you talk to me a little bit about the two separate team approaches that you are taking to projects now? Yeah, Sean. Uh, here at Flintco, we have a full-time dedicated VDC department, and we've divided uh, that department into kind of two separate sides. One side is a team of coordinators that are focused on building the model, building the building virtually, coordinating everything, making sure everything goes together so that when it goes out to the field, we don't have a bunch of issues. A lot of the issues have already been worked out in the computer because obviously it's a lot easier to hit the delete button and change something. A lot cheaper to do that than having to tear out something in the field and redo it, which costs more time and more money. So that's one side of our VDC or virtual design and construction department. And then the other side is based in the field technology. So taking that coordination effort where we spent all this time and effort working with the design teams, working with the owner, working with the trade subcontractors, and all that effort and energy going into that and making sure it comes to fruition in the field, whether it's using things like taking the model for robotic layout in the field, doing laser scans for quality control checks, those kind of technologies really help give value to the project, value to the BIM process, and they validate that effort and what's going in. And it's also a great risk management quality control check. Having those two types of teams really does, as you mentioned, create a redundancy and it helps minimize the chance for errors. Kevin, I hate to make you the bearer of bad news, but can you tell me a story from your career that 
demonstrates how not to approach an implementation? Yeah, I've ha- I've had experiences where we would do an extensive BIM coordination effort, and in some cases, overhead space or even locating a sleeve in in a plumbing wall um, was extensively gone over, and points even harvested from the from the model, only to find the sleeve being put just outside the wall uh, in the field come to find out that the implementation from that accurate BIM model to the field was, you know, the short circuit is basically that that particular sub wasn't using a robotics total station or a tremble device to lay out the points that were coordinated to get that sleeve put in the, in the most accurate place. We did that for about two or three floors on a, on a high rise and really kind of got, narrowed down to what the issue really was. And once we resolved training that, that team to lay out plumbing um, and walls um, using those devices and using control from the model applied to the field, then we were seeing the success we were expecting and the efficiency uh, and the quality happen in the field. Um, up until then, um, it was it was kind of a roll of the dice because people are using tape measures and plumb bobs to be kind of crude about you know that, but really in reality you're 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 sort of losing all the accuracy if we if you don't implement uh, another step out in the field like Jason's talking about. Jason, I want to go back to an explanation you were giving earlier about team members and input. Team members are usually on a team for a specific purpose. What are a few of the benefits that you see with this all-hands-on-deck approach from the first moment a project is envisioned? It's all about uh, integration. Um, You know, there is no one person is responsible for all the technology on the project. Um, So our VDC teams are integrated with our pre-construction department to make sure that the tech, these technologies are budgeted for in estimates and the costs are covered to be able to use these technologies. Then we start interfacing with the design teams and doing constructability reviews, uh, making sure that we're integrated in that process. We know what they're, what, we know what the design team is thinking. We know where they're going. We're helping them identify constructability issues and. Uh, any pitfalls in the design process. Then we start working with the trade partners um, and running through coordination, preparing for construction and prefabrication efforts, and then ultimately going into the field and building the building or or whatever uh, the project may be. Um, So our VDC team is integrated throughout the life cycle of the project. But at no point are we the end-all, be-all, or sole providers of the technology. The project teams, the estimators, they all have to be integrated. So if we're doing a 4D uh, or 5D quantity takeoff, uh, we may set things up, and then we kind of can hand it off to the estimators, and they can start taking quantities off and experiencing the design in three dimensions as opposed to just a two-dimensional PDF print. Um, And then when we're working with the field teams, the project teams, we're assisting them in 
facilitating the BIM process, but everybody's providing input to that process. Uh, and when it comes to the documentation, photographic documentation, reality capture type tools, um, it's not necessarily a VDC person out there every day making sure that those things happen. We train the teams, we help them, we help them implement the technology on the project, and ultimately some of those tools they're responsible for using and we support them as the need arises. So everybody's involved in the process. What would people outside of the process still be surprised to learn? Sean, I think that's uh, the, the main thing is sophistication. I think that um, people outside of the construction industry um, would really be surprised about how sophisticated the construction process is these days and the tools. When you talk about going and doing a three-dimensional drone survey and you're in construction and you're building a project, you know, that's, I think, outside the industry, they don't realize the level of technology that we use. They just think we're, we swing hammers and cut things with saws. And Yeah, I think they feel it's a lot uh, rougher uh, around the edges than it actually is. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I was thinking along those lines. Every time I do describe to somebody what I do for a living, they are just blown away by um, the fact that people who build buildings are engrossed so heavily into technologies that in a lot of ways are borderline, you know, animations and movie type technology and the virtual reality, the augmented realities, all these little things that we're on the edge of discovering new uses for has really been on the forefront of construction or through our subcontractors. And I really do think that that sets people back a little and they are very surprised by, by that. So Kevin, we've talked an awful lot about the mythological tools that you use and the resources, but we haven't actually gone into any details. I'm curious, as built laser scanning, that seems to me like it would remove any possibility of misunderstanding. It would. Um, the thing about doing a, an as-built laser scan, um, it's kind of a complicated answer, but it would be in reaction to not putting in something per the coordinated model. And, um, or in some instances, there, that's one example of using laser scanning for an as-built. The other would be an existing building that you're going to renovate. So you could put in, uh, go, go ahead and win a job to renovate a new building and you need to determine where the existing beams are to put new, the new construction in there. Um, using a laser scan, you can as-build exactly how that is and then pull measurements and use that as your parameters versus an old set of drawings, going out and back checking things with tape measures. It's a very fast process to laser scan and extremely accurate to use as a backdrop to the upcoming renovation. Well, today it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Kevin Bromenshank, the Regional VDC Manager for Flint Co., and Jason Schrader, a Regional VDC Manager for Flint Co. Jason, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time today, gentlemen. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Yeah, it was our pleasure. 